Totally Football Show. A midweek that had some of the strangest sights in football. From nine-man Ten Hag in an eight-goal gasm at the bridge to Kyle Walker playing a goal to Arsenal playing a European fixture on a Wednesday. Luckily, we've got it all rounded up for you here. Plus, the weekend to look forward to as well. What's coming up there? Only Liverpool and Man City's title tilt and Leicester Arsenal and the Cherries, the Blades and Brighton all bidding to go top five. Phew! A big preview of all of that in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. In the studio today, fresh from that goal show, is James Horncastle. Hello, James. Hello, listener. Pat Nevins here, fresh back from Stamford Bridge, Dramedy Central on Tuesday night. It is brilliant fun watching them. We haven't even said hello to Duncan Alexander yet. Hello, James. And his digits of fun. Yeah. All right, I bet we got some... hello. Hang on. (laughs) I bet we got some top stats coming up today, haven't we? Possibly. And let's uh, just uh, have a quick roundup of what happened in... Match day four of the Champions League because basically a lot happened. You had 56 goals, three teams qualifying for the knockout stages and at least half a dozen game of the season contenders. Dinamo Zagreb, for example, against Shakhtar. Dinamo were 3-1 up with 90 minutes played. What happened, James? They saw out the win. No, (laughs) it finished 3-3. Inter with two goals up at Dortmund. They ended up losing 3-2. It pains me, all this stuff, because obviously our friend Michael Cox is espousing this season that 2-0 or a two-goal lead is the most dangerous thing in football, and it isn't. Statistically, it is not, but every week teams are are backing him up. But what is the most dangerous? 1-0. One nil. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But anyway, what else did we have midweek in the Champions League? Carl Walker doing an Ian Walker uh, for Man City away at San Siro. Spurs, who never win away from home, go to the most unwelcoming ground possible and win away from home. 4 nil, complete with the most 80s goal possible. We'll discuss that game very shortly. Slavia Prague holding Barcelona to an entirely goalless draw. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, that four-all draw between Chelsea and Ajax. And Pat, you were there. Did you have fun? Ajax have only one thought in their minds. Let's just attack from as many angles as we possibly can. And let's close down and let's play madly positive football. Even when it's 4-4, even when you're down to nine men, even when you're away from home, they were playing high up the field pressing yeah. game against Chelsea. It was mental. Yeah, three of Ajax's five shots on target actually came after uh, they had the two men sent off. So they were they had four goals, obviously two own goals. Is a nine-man team the most dangerous team that you can, you can face? Chance that, yes, it's actually it seems so. Yeah. yeah. So how, how were... I mean, you say it was very difficult in the opening 15, 20 minutes to have any idea of the tactical setups. But what did Ajax do that was so successful in the face of what looked like a sterling Chelsea comeback? Um, well, the first thing is the stats were quite misleading because they actually played brilliantly. Uh, I actually, by miles, the better team. Well, that, the one stat that wasn't misleading was they were 4-1 up and they should have been 4-1 up. They played, played that well. Chelsea actually weren't playing particularly well at that point in time, but they've got great spirit and great fight about them. But when they went down to nine men, the expectation, everybody knows what you do. You, if you go down to ten men, you go at 4-3-2 or 4 Four one, you know, you just leave one less forward, and it's a you know static defensive position. Uh, you can come sometimes go three three three, but when you get down to nine minutes, all bets are off. And I was looking out to see what they were doing tactically. Nothing. They just chased the ball, and then they just chased the ball really high up the pitch, and it was absolutely stunning. They made it into an elongated five-a-side game, like you would play with your mates. And Chelsea were stunned by it. They had no idea how to react to it in that situation. They got corner kick at one point. Um, right near the end of the game, I act 4-4, pressing Chelsea at this point. And Chelsea had every man back. 
you know, you're playing against nine men, guys. You don't need every man back. It's also almost like Chelsea are a very young team with the <laughs> fifth worst defence in the Premier League and Ajax thought they could be got at. Yeah. Possibly. So what about the, the double red card? I mean, it, 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 remarkable because... 4-1 up. I think Chelsea had pulled it back to 4-2 when that crucial passage of play happened where you had one red card then immediately following another red card for handball and then the penalty for the handball offence. Ajax feeling that essentially the game had been taken away from them with that. Had, were they right to be furious? Yeah, I mean, in the sense that it's very unusual, sort of triple jeopardy, um, but technically by the letter of the law, the ref did it right. So, okay. yeah. Fair. I have to say the referee was... Actually, not the referee, unusually... The near side stand assistant was abysmal, <laughs> beyond really? belief. Not for or against Chelsea, just generally abysmal. Generally. He did, if he got anything, any decision he had to make, he would try and make it and get it brilliantly 100% wrong. Um, so he wasn't involved in those decisions, so they were probably right. Pat, we get to talk about Chelsea quite a lot on this show. Ajax, not so much. So who really stood out? Who did you most enjoy? Um, is it Zayek? Um, Ziyech. Ziyech, uh, yeah. honestly, has... Do you know that thing about the, the, the kind of Dutch supposed to be really arrogant? And it doesn't matter if, if you are Dutch or not, you're just playing for a Dutch team. And he scores a goal and he gives it the whole Zlatan, the kind of looking around, kind of look at, do you know how good I am? To be fair, it was a cracker of a goal he, from... He didn't second. score that goal, though. That was Kepa's face that scored. Exactly, but he's claiming it. Right. Well, he was claiming it <laughs> at that point. He provoked two on goal. To be fair, it, yeah. it wasn't a bad delivery, I'll give you that. His, uh, his passing all, all day, or even... even oh, delivery, yeah, yeah, delivery was absolutely brilliant. So, I mean, absolutely, that was the case. Funnily enough, promised the other side that he was good as well. Mm. Um just all the way through the team they wanted to play football they wanted to attack they made one really good tactical technical change which was is it Dest who's the right fullback mm. American player and he plays most weeks at right fullback but he's playing against inverted commas Captain America and he's, he's dropped and they bring, bring this guy Mizrahi and he's just quick and of course it was exactly the right thing to do and it worked a treat for them and he played really well as well so there was good technical things going on but it was more than that. It was just the ethos. It was just the Ajax ethos of, we're just going to keep on attacking. All right. We're just going to keep on. And I, got, got, I was in love with them by the end of the game. Magnificent stuff. It, it does leave the group very delicately poised because with Valencia beating Lille that same evening, you've got Valencia, Chelsea and Ajax all level on seven points. And Chelsea go to the Mastalla to face Valencia in the next uh, round of matches in three weeks' time. This weekend, meantime, at Stamford Bridge... No doubt on their way to notch up a similarly high-scoring uh, spectacle are Crystal Palace. Uh, Jorginho is going to be suspended for that game, which is a shame because he's been his renaissance has been key to their wonderful run of form. Right, well, I'm going to disagree because if you go back to my teams on this show last season, oh, you'll yeah. know that I don't think this is a renaissance. He's always been this good. Okay, uh, all right. I completely okay. think. And you're, you're right to say it because even the Chelsea fans booed him mm. all the way through last season. And I was saying, well, I'm giving them my player of the season. They were saying, what, above Hazard? I was saying, yeah. Right. He's so he important. was always this good even last season? Yes, always this good. Um, the stats build it. Uh, I don't know if the, the stats from last season. Who played the most through balls in the Premier League last season? It was a certain Mr. D. Luiz, now of Arsenal. And the second most through balls. And by the way, I'm not talking Chelsea. I'm talking Premier League, right. second most through balls, Jorginho. So and the difference it, is now there are people on the end who make use of them? 
Number one, that. Number two, he's not playing as many little side-to-side balls, the Sari ball way. Right. It's just been a little bit more direct and people kind of like that a bit more. But he is now by far ahead in most yeah. three balls. And number three is no longer seen as the, the Sari envoy on the pitch, mm-hmm. as the sort of lightning rod for any unhappiness. He's also it. a leader. And I think I a lot of people didn't expect that of him. He's someone who's always talking, always bollocking teammates. Yeah. So what it's happens when he's not there this weekend? Is the correct question. All right, Kante, the biggest talker of all, comes in. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. no, you're absolutely right. I don't think they can play the same way. Right, I really don't. So they're going to have to find another method. Fortunately for them, as you say, Kante yeah. could, could well be available and fit for it. And they have got fairly good backup at Chelsea. But it's one of those ones. There's certain players at certain teams you don't want to miss. You know, at Liverpool, it's obviously Van Dijk. There's you know De Bruyne. The way to say at Chelsea, for me, whatever you say about anyone else, that is Jorginho. You know, a year in to his life in the Premier League, he's adapted. You know, I think that was the yeah, coming to a new league, a faster paced league as well, took him some time. I see, though, I, this is why I disagree. I, I no, think but I, sta- I, sta- I stand by, but you, you have to say that a year's experience in this it's division helped. has helped. And did you see him showing his mum around Stamford Bridge the other day? <laughs> yeah. She was on the, on the touchline pretending to be a substitute, warming up, doing stretches. It was good. good what, during the game? No, no, like midweek, but you know, she was very excited to be on the turf and he was very excited to see his mum stretch. And he said, This is what we do when we're substitutes. Well, she just took it, you know, she just decided to do it off the off her own Maybe back. Frank can register for register her for this game and Mrs. she can just Mrs. Georgina. stand in. Stand <laughs> yeah, in for She looked like she could thread through a decent through ball, to be yeah. fair. So, yeah. You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Let's have a word now for Spurs, who also scored four goals. This was on Wednesday and picked up their first away win in 183 days. James, this was pretty entertaining as well. Pretty chaotic in parts. I mean, look no further than the opening goal, uh, which was just magnificent <laughs> in terms of, you know, how many times can you try and score without scoring in the same move, you know, in terms of hitting the post, goal line clearance, hitting the bar, and then, you know, Lo Celso ending up putting it in. I was watching an old episode of Saint and Greavesy last weekend because I live a very exciting life. And every goal in that in their roundup of the week's action was essentially that Spurs wow. goal last night. That was English football in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. Should, I mean, you, you did feel that Danny Baker should be linking off the, off the back of it. Morgan writes in, he says, uh, hey, I have a question. Uh, after Lo Celso's goal, what is the pod's favourite ridiculous goal? I would vote for the one against Liverpool, the beach ball goal. Do you remember at Sunderland? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a... I, was, I sprung that on you a little bit. Did Chicharito score on with his face? Yeah. Yeah. That's that one. I think there's a... Which wasn't a header. Did a Kepa. <laughs> <There's>, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a QPR Man City game from the early 90s, I think, at Loftus Road, where it makes the Spurs goal look like Brazil 1970 because it... <laughs> If there were four shots in the Spurs one, there's probably about 15 in this goal. It just it takes forever. Right. It's regularly linked to on like Italian Twitter accounts saying, ha ha, look at English football. So, fair <laughs> yeah. play to us. It's, it's, it's actually, I think the clip is called the worst pattern of football ever. Yeah. Something like that. It yeah. genuinely is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, good. So, but uh, that got them underway <laughs> and they ended up winning 4 0. And as I mentioned, this is a team with a terrible record on the road. Yeah, and had, going uh, to the American R, mm. where Red Star had not lost in the Champions League European Cup um, to a, an English opponent ever before. Arsenal, of course, went there a couple of years ago and won in the Europa League when Wenger was, you know, still the greatest Arsenal manager that we've ever seen, and you know should be going back to Arsenal. Before he soon. became the greatest uh, Bayern Munich manager. Well, 
perhaps, James. Perhaps. That's a subject we'll touch on later you know on. If you go back, you're talking about that Red Star game. Mm. I was at the Man United game there and when they went over. No, Liverpool game. The Liverpool exactly a year ago. Exactly when, a year uh, ago. So I was at that game at that stadium. Cold. And... Basically, they're not very good, Red Star. Mm, well, this but the stadium is. <laughs> <laughs> this is the slight issue with the game last night. In right. The, if you think back a couple of weeks ago, Spurs comfortably beat Red Star at home, and everyone said, well, that's sorted out. Now Spurs are back, and then they took one point from the next two Premier League games. Now they played well last night, but I don't think this necessarily translates into a full recovery in the Premier League. The Premier League, the quality of the Premier League now is so high that you can see teams, <laughs> Arsenal are in disarray, will go away to Frankfurt and, and win comfortably. Do, do and you then, know what? You're saying that just now, right? And I got a laugh because I was at the, the Spurs versus Everton game, and everyone ever says the phrase, "Oh, the standard's so high." It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my entire life. It was not just boring and dull; it was technically awful, mm. and the players were technically awful. Well, this weekend, I'm sure no one will be leveling leveling that charge of their fixture as they take on Chris Wilder's remarkable Sheffield United. Again, it's a game we'll touch on a little bit later on. Sheffield United, one of those teams that could legitimately finish the weekend in fifth place, which is, uh, that's just the new, that's the reality we live in now. Yeah. Better get used to it. The new world order. Just to uh, round out one or two of the other big talking points around the Champions League uh, round of matches, Liverpool now top of their group after they beat Genk narrowly. Napoli, who they host next time, only drew at home to Red Bull, sparking all sorts of of trouble there. Uh, there's a lot of talk that Carlo Ancelotti might be on his way this week. Yeah, quite sensational, even within the context of a crazy Champions League week, um, that you would also have a mutiny um, going on um, because the Napoli players were told after the defeat to Roma last weekend that they were going to have to basically live at the training ground, weren't allowed to go home, extra training sessions, um, and not just before this game against Salzburg, but extended into the weekend as well. And... Uh, after the draw against Salzburg, they just got in their cars and went home, breaking. Yeah. So De Laurentiis' son, Edu, comes down to the dressing room to tell them they have to stick around. And it was, was it Insigne who stepped up? No, or Alan, I think, who, that there were some suggestions that there was even a bit of a kind of... Coming a, together? A, a coming together. Mm. And the players went, no. And now, so De Laurentiis, the owner, senior, has said that he's going to fine the players and also possibly take legal action against his own team. Yeah, I mean, that is Italian football <laughs> in a nutshell. But uh, Ancelotti had come out, of course, on, on uh, Monday to say, I disagree with the president for taking this kind of action. He then didn't, well, it seems he didn't stand in the way of the players breaking um, this retiro, as they call it. Detention. Detention. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, there was a statement put out, as you mentioned, on uh, on Wednesday where the owner, well, the club basically stressed that they might take legal action. There was certainly that implication, inference mm. in there. And uh, and they were, they were saying, right, it's up to Ancelotti now um, whether he keeps them in detention or not. And so essentially... Ancelotti's being invited to go against the president again, which, yeah, I think is one of the reasons why the tension there is so high. It doesn't seem at the moment as though there's going to be an imminent decision on Ancelotti's future. Um, I think that, but it, it just goes to show how long can this relationship, which is very fraught, mm. survive? Well, indeed. Does this not go down to European law? You can't do that. De Laurentiis is taking back control. Retiro uh, means retiro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, Pat, because uh, they've been doing it kind of without legal challenge for years. Yeah, in Italy. you try. I, I promise you. I mean, I promise you cannot do that in England. No, 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 in England, no, but in Italy, yeah, yeah, but it's European law, isn't it? They, oh, you, I see. European you take law. It to, you take it to law. If right. you take that to law, you'll win it. There's a hundred percent. More as we know more about mm. Carlo down at uh, 
down in Naples. Other big stories included the return of Real Madrid. And Pat, you will allow that this is a renaissance, a team that had only narrowly squeaked to a 2-2 draw in their last Champions League home match against Bruges. This time, coming up with a 6-0 win against Galatasaray, featuring an extraordinary hat-trick from uh, the 19-year-old, is he, Rodrigo? Yeah. Um, 18. Yeah. Just, wow. <laughs> you know, you, there, uh, I'm not saying he is the new Neymar or whoever. You know, that's what he's been called. You wouldn't wish that on him, would you, Pat? Because uh, it wasn't me that said it. It was because he's come from Santos and all that right. sort of stuff. You know, you come in, he's, I think he's got about 80 games in his career so far, and he's managed to go and start that game. He destroyed Gala at the start. Well, yeah. you have to feel for Vinicius Jr., who came in as the new Neymar stroke, whoever, and it, his period, his tenure in that position lasted, what, about six months? And he's already been replaced by the new new. I have to right. say, I didn't think that of him Did at the time. No. But I'm looking at this kid, having seen just a very, very little of him, and thinking, I'll not be surprised. I'll it was, a, it was a magnificent hat-trick. It was I think a perfect hat-trick. A perfect hat-trick as well. Yeah, he got the first two goals within about two and a half minutes of each yeah. other <laughs> in the opening five or six minutes. Uh, Alex Smith pointing out that he would have taken, he would have had a chance for the quickest Champions League hat-trick of all time because Real Madrid were awarded a penalty not long after he got a brace. But of course, Ramos took that. And he penenked it he as well. What well, was it a penenka? Because it didn't even... It was still rising as it hit the top it of the It was better than a Penenka. Yeah. I, I would say it's a new category. He then like, proceeded to imitate Ronaldo's celebration as well, which... Mm. Just, Is that allowed? Yeah. I don't know how trademark in that. Wow, all, sorts of people, I mean, <laughs> all sorts of people are stepping on Ronaldo's toes at the moment, <laughs> including Aaron Ramsey. Way, also, the assist, maybe the assist was as impressive as anything else from Rodrigo. Right. He made an assist in... Um, just before he scored no actually just after he scored his second goal and when it's the timing of him playing the ball that made my eyes go wow not many people would have done that A, the vision and awareness to see it but the timing of the pass was really strange what? and that's special can you can you paint a picture well he's, he's gone down the right wing um, maybe just around about the penalty box and instead of taking an extra touch to go a little bit wider because he's got the pace on the guy and then curling it around like you wouldn't he just turns and zips it and it's like, why did you do that? That's too strange, too early to play that ball. No one thinks that way. Strikers think that way because they take, like Harry Kane takes a shot earlier than you expect, all that sort of stuff. Mm. It's a very similar technical thing. But people don't generally do it as a cross. And he did it. It's a very, very strange thing to see. And as soon as you see someone doing something technically different from the norm, you think, wow, you've there's a brain there. There's right. something good. I just think he could be... I mean, it's, it's, it's a very short thing. It's Gala, it's 6-0, it's home, but he could be very, very special. It's amazing to think, hat-trick, 18 years old, that assist. Uh, he's probably only about two minutes away of bad performance from getting booed by the home fans. <laughs> <laughs> he's the second youngest uh, player ever to score a hat-trick in the uh, Champions League. Do you know who the youngest was? Raul? It was Raul. Also, Real Madrid. Two of the youngest four have come this season. Harland as well. So oh, wow. we are in a Harland golden who, age uh, of new strikers. scored for Ripple Salzburg. He did, yes. Yeah. He's, now, he's now only five Champions League goals behind Roy Keane, and I'm looking forward to when they draw level, given the family feud. I think he's, he's, he's only <laughs> one goal now behind uh, Solskjaer and Tor Andre Flo as having the best most prolific Champions League campaign by a Norwegian. And of course, wow. it's only the group stages. Mm -hmm. So if Salzburg get out, pff, there you go. And you can't rule that out. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, Barcelona, although they are four points behind Napoli, Napoli who are second place behind. But Napoli in mutiny, James. That's they might true. not even have a team if they take legal action. You know, so They might still be in retiro. Who knows? <laughs> Barcelona got held 0-0 at home to Slavia at home. 
That does not happen very often. And uh, Slavia more than deserves that point. Uh, they are now one point clear of Dortmund with Inter three points. Three points further back from the uh, Germans. Inter, who saw a spectacular rant from their manager, Antonio Conte. This will shock you, Pat. Mm -hmm. But after the game, Conte responded to the defeat by suggesting it was the board of directors' fault for not buying him more players and they should get down and explain it to the cameras. No, it doesn't shock me. All right, <laughs> As you right. well know. That, that storm is going to, you know, he's lit a bit of blue touch paper there, hasn't he, Conte? He has, but he lit it back in uh, July because he's pretty much been saying the same thing over and over again, whilst also like having the caveat of, I'm not making excuses. Right. Um, or uh, I, I don't need reassuring. I, I'm not a demanding manager right. whilst demanding three <laughs> signings. How many times did Inter break their transfer record this summer? Twice. Right. Yeah, they, I think net spend was like 110 million. So. Right. Okay, well, it, it is true that uh, they, does seem, they do seem to be a little short of puff. They had a brilliant first hour against Barcelona, ended up losing and exactly the same story away at Dortmund uh, this Tuesday night. And their uh, continuation in this competition very much at risk. Uh, by contrast, Juventus, they do play the long game. 94th minute when they finally got the winner away at Lokomotiv Moscow. What a goal it was, James. Yeah, one of the goals of the night from Douglas Costa, just I think one of the best dribblers in world football on his day as well. But combination with Higuain, uh, the back heel, um, just after Costa had beaten three players anyway, Higuain sets him up with the back heel. He beats another two more and then goes around the goalkeeper and, and makes it 2-1. Um, I saw... I saw arguably the most Italian piece of analysis I've ever seen last night, which was at the end of the Champions League roundup show that they do in, in Italy. Um, they're asked to, to basically name what their best bit and worst bit of the night was. And Fabio Capello said, Aaron Ramsey's substitution, which I thought... That's for what? Uh, I, I, the best bit. The best bit. And I was like, that sounds damning. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't. He, he respected how Ramsey, when his, his number was, was flagged up, ran off the pitch, didn't shake uh, his head at all, encouraged his teammate when he came off and said, that's the kind of professionalism and character I want to see from a player when they're taken off. And then he said his worst bit was when Ronaldo gets taken off. <laughs> and Ronaldo is kind of sulking, sort of kind of really kind of padding his way over and then has some a back chat with Sarri. Um, so, yeah, very, very Capella, very Italian analysis there. Of course, uh, Ronaldo was a, a little bit gloomy. Why? Because he thought he'd scored a free kick. Um, and yet he hadn't because Ramsey just nipped it over the line before it's uh, just to make sure yeah it was uh, it wasn't the greatest of free kicks but Guilherme the uh, locomotive keeper had, had let it dribble between his legs and it was trickling towards the line when Ramsey arrived to just yeah. nudge it, it over reminiscent of that time Ronaldo nearly scored an amazing solo goal for Portugal and then Nani knocked it in <laughs> on, on the goal and made it offside <laughs> Ronaldo just went hey these things happen and, uh, and moved on there's a great photo actually of Ronaldo or a series of photos of, of Ramsey going up with his hands up as if to say oops sorry Bob and Ronaldo does then kind of give him a rueful kind of eyes raised like, yeah, but let's not make a habit of this. <laughs> um, excellent stuff. So Juve goes through. They're now in the last 16. So are Paris Saint-Germain, who had a 1-0 win against Bruges. And Bayern Munich are through after their 2-0 win over Olympiacos under their interim manager, Hansi Flick, who's going to be the long-term boss. That's a subject we'll touch on later on because after this, we need to get on to what's happening at Anfield on Sunday afternoon. 
Liverpool versus Man City. A real six-pointer. It's going to uh, be... S- sorry, what do you mean six-pointer? Does the winner get six points? It's a saying. So the winner does... Get... The, 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 the team that wins gets three points and the team that loses also drops three points. So it's a net gain of six for the winner. Oh, uh, so it's still just a three-pointer? Yes, yes, it is. Right. And Paddy Power are offering money back as a free bet on all markets if Man City win. Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. Applies to all markets on this match only. Max free bet £10. Pre-match singles only. Online exclusive. No shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plusbegambleaware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Sunday afternoon, and how about this for a grand finale of what's been a pretty special week. Liverpool taking on Man City, the top two in the Premier League, the team that has essentially redefined our ideas of Premier League perfection against the only side that can, I guess, hope to challenge them right now and is indeed six points clear of them right now. It's their second meeting of the season, City took the community shield on penalties. This time around, though, as I mentioned, they are trailing and they haven't scored at Anfield in three of their past four well, league visits. I mean, they had a very good chance to this time last year, was it, when Riyad Mahrez missed mm. that yep. penalty? Didn't score. And uh, yeah, Liverpool's home record as well at that time. I mean, it was probably its most vulnerable um, in that moment. Still intact, James. Still Just intact. To put into context how long Liverpool haven't lost at home for. The, the four managers, away managers, to win there in the Klopp era are Sam Allardyce, Paul Clement, Louis van Gaal and Alan Pardew, which is sort of <laughs> redolent of a different... Is that gen- three English managers there? Yeah. yeah. Ah, we can there see you go, Man City. You know, if, get if, pards then. <laughs> get pards. It's Pardiola to come in. And <laughs> yeah, OK. For that one is, day only. That is remarkable. Neither of the two teams look that convincing midweek, but uh, fair to... Suggest they probably have one eye already on this fixture. Liverpool, as I mentioned, a 2-1 win over Genk. And City, with their 1-1 draw away to bottom of that group, Atalanta. We haven't talked about that game yet, Duncan. No. Well, I think, for me, an outfield player going in goal is the greatest thing that can ever happen in football. And it's very rare nowadays, given if a keeper gets injured, you bring on the subkeeper. If a keeper gets sent off, you bring on the subkeeper for someone else. Um, we had the lovely scenario there where Claudio Bravo came on for the injured Edison. 35 minutes, no saves, one red card. Um, that was... Goal conceded. Yes. <laughs> um, apart from that, it was great. But yeah, you know, apart from that, he did do a catch, I saw. Um, and then, so yeah, Kyle Walker had to go and go. Right. And face a free kick, yep. which he sort of saved. He did save yeah, it. Yeah, like you might... Did better than Guilherme for like It looked like it stung his hands. Right. Um, but then he didn't have to save anything else. Well, he ended up with more saves than Claudio Bravo and Edison combined. Mm. One which, save. <laughs> yeah, but which is more. So yeah, he, no, but yeah. still, I mean, that was the surprising thing that Atlanta were going to have... 10 minutes um, to try and expose or take advantage of the fact that you know uh, Carl Walker was in goal and they weren't able to get another shot on time. City's, yeah. City's killing of the game was superb. That's yeah. the, the worst, possibly the worst team in the world to do it, to, uh, maybe Barca aside, uh, to play against a, uh, an outfield player in goal is, is Manchester City because Manchester City keep the ball for so long. It kind of doesn't, you know you've heard the phrase often enough, probably didn't need a keeper today for City mm. because there was no attacks and they had so much so little pressure against them and they are the perfect team to to actually have an outfield player in goal Pep what? after the game said that playing against Atalanta is a bit like going to the dentist yes so I, 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 yeah, we're having two goalkeepers removed is that are they like your <laughs> wisdom teeth or I don't know well Sterling had opened the scoring and then they had the chance to make it 2-0 uh, when they were awarded a penalty Tom Williams 
uh, commenting, Gabriel Jesus channeling his inner Diana Ross with that <laughs> attempt. <laughs> then the goal At- didn't collapse, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. yeah. and then Atalanta awoke and grabbed themselves what turned out to be a point uh, from this game. And who knows, eh, James? Who knows? <laughs> well, I'm hoping. Um, yeah, I mean... On Italian TV afterwards, they were quite critical of Josip Ilicic, who provokes Bravo's red card, essentially going down when he goes past the goalkeeper. If he stays on his feet, he's got an open goal, he scores, they win the game, and yeah, their prospects of going through are obviously much uh, much greater than they are at this moment in time. So, It's a difference in VAR. So as a professional footballer, I would have booked the player. I wouldn't have given you, the free kick and I wouldn't have sent the goalkeeper off. I'd have booked the forward. You felt mm. that there wasn't... Contact. Oh, there was contact. He threw his boot out at the keeper. Yeah, on the, the second leg. But was there not contact before that? No, I didn't know. I think he jumped out of the way and threw his left boot out. It's a game of opinions, isn't it, really? Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to look at it again and check it again. Right. I, wasn't, I was watching it on a tiny little screen when I got back in last night, so right. it didn't look like that to me. Beyond what happened on, on, on Wednesday, big question about Edison now for the weekend. We heard that Guardiola took him off as a preventative measure, but if he doesn't return to fitness in time for the Liverpool game, how big a blow is that to City's chances? How much of a quality gap is it down to Claudio Bravo? Fairly large, I'd say. Um, Bravo in his Premier League career has um, let in 27 goals and made 37 saves. So that's you know qu- closer to 50% than, than you'd hope as a goalkeeper. I think if he does play, then you know the likes of Alexander Arnold will. You know, be keen to right to target him. Claudio. Yeah, see, I'm, I, I'm always. I'm, I'm, I love stats, right? Yeah, and I study stats a wee bit uh, back in the days, but I always have to caveat them. Mm. And my caveat with this, specifically the goalkeepers from Manchester City, is that because of the way Manchester City play, when you get a chance against them, it's a cracker of a chance. Mm. Because they have pushed forward, you're probably one in one with a keeper, and it has always been the case in Manchester City in the Pep's time that. A save from Manchester is totally different from a save from everyone else. So it sounds like you're saying he's a terrible keeper because of those stats. In comparison to the other keepers, he's making different types of saves. But I think he does inspire more fear in his defence. No, I would agree with that. But I think this any kind of change as well is is, is disrupting the rhythms. Yeah. Although it's been a fairly interchangeable bat line anyway for City, and we saw against Atlanta the fact that it is way less resolute than you would. Have well, expected. and also a point on Bravo. I mean, his defining game in City shirt was a big game at the time. Uh, it's not so much a big game anymore against Manchester United, mm. um, where. Yeah, that was pretty much it for, for Pep Guardiola. He called it there. And was it Willie, big Willie Caballero mm. ended up coming in. Um, and that was the, the main problem position that they addressed that summer, bringing in Edison. So, Of course, he can, he can call on the Liverpool icon, Scott Carson, who's now uh, at City. All oh, right. Yeah. So that would be next in line after. And the Cove Walker. And of course, Walker, right. If, if Liverpool win this... The stats are great. <laughs> it's November. You can't win the Premier League title in November, but can you lose it, etc., and so on? Yeah, I mean, you can lose it um, all the time, James. Right. Uh, May, uh, so okay. you can lose it there. It depends how close it is, but of What course. do you think about this weekend? <laughs> um, I have a suspicion that uh, City will win this game at Anfield. I think they will break the... Uh, that unbeaten record that uh, Liverpool have there, I, I still think Sterling at this at this moment in time is in such a rich vein of form. And right. he was out. He was again. I mean, Atalanta are just glad to see him gone and that they don't have to play him again because he can do pretty much anything. Uh, he can play as he he can do what he wants uh, at the moment in time. So 
Although he has, since he left Liverpool to go to City, n- not had a shot on target or created a goal at Anfield when he's gone back. Well, so, now's really? the time. Now's the time. Could be. Remarkable. Do you share, Pat, uh, James's faith that City are going to claw back three fat points on the leaders? Um, no. Um, the reason being, purely the reason being, uh, a slight fear for City in this one. Um, Sova fan, I'll admit. Complete mm. bias. Which one? David, um, he's just amazing, amazing player. So he's not available. You've got problems in defence. We all know about that as well. I adore City and I love the way they play football, but I'm not sure they're, they're at their best at the moment. It's when you least expect it. Yeah, and, um, you're right. It, it might come. And I think for the league, it would be good if they won the game. Mm. And I would like to see it purely for that. Nothing against Liverpool because I'm a toffee and a... <laughs> Chelsea <laughs> but not purely for the interest of the league because if you do that and Leicester win actually suddenly you think whoa this is interesting again yeah I'm so probably in the middle I think I think the big the, yeah <laughs> a draw yeah I think it could be a draw yeah. you are tepid waters are there far and ice mm, exactly mm. but I think if you think back to this fixture last season which was in October um, both teams were defending brilliantly they'd hardly let any, in any goals all season it's not that's not the case now. I think we could be looking at one of the games we saw from the previous season, like in the Champions the League. The 4-3. Klopp, does he go out and try and play Liverpool style? The right. way they always play every week at Anfield. And if he does, which I think he should do, and get a nine-point gap, or does he play a little bit cagey, like the well, done no, before I think against he, City? I think he goes... Like, he, uh, Guardiola's lost seven times against Klopp, which is more than he has against any other manager. And it is because Liverpool do play full out against City, or whoever. So does the Ox get a start? I think his he's style now and his playing, his standard is now up there. You know, I would like to see him play. Has given the goal in um, the Champions League there. Mm. I mean, that was absolutely magnificent. Mm. He's back to goal, swivel, turn, per whack. So, yes, it's a good, I think it's a very good shout. It's a huge game. In a week of unusual sights, who can fail to have been moved by the announcement that Liverpool are going to be playing two games in two days in two continents, such as their fixture condition. How will they do it? Well, essentially like Phil Collins, I think. They're going to have concourse <laughs> on the tarmac at Heathrow and then fly across and appear in uh, the other place. Where is it? They've got, they got FIFA World Cup on the 18th. That's the World Club Cup semi. And the day before that, they've got the League Cup uh, quarter-final against uh, Aston Villa. But, of course, they're going to play two different teams which is going to be a bit uh, peculiar. Who gets in which team, do you think? I think the the League Cup team will be the, the youth team. Right. Under-23 lads, and then the main guys will, will be over for the World Club Cup, even though that's probably the easier game, the semi-final. Right. OK, but, yeah. Do you know, thing. this could actually get worse, couldn't it? Mm. I mean, what we're hearing that they're going to do the World Club Cup is going to be a whole bigger tournament now. It's going to be moved to a team where it actually might hit with AFCON as well. Mm. So... Although we already know that there are too many games and too many competitions, you're asking too much for the top players, mm. they're adding more. The Nations League with adding top players. I think it, it sets a bit of a bad precedent, really, because <laughs> you know clubs can no longer. It's unusual com- for football to have a bad president, <laughs> <in FIFA. laughs> Um Because if there's fixture pile up, then you know organisers just... can go. Well, yeah, but organisers <laughs> can go. Well, will you manage to play two different teams? Right. Can we not yeah. just get rid of the League Cup? Can we not just get rid of two teams in the Premier League? Can we not just get rid of the Community Shield? I mean, yep. you heartless. These are heartless also valid points. Man. And make game sixty minutes because that would certainly ease the congestion. Yeah. Yeah. Do we need um, fans really? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no. But on on the subject of Liverpool's busy schedule, and I raised the question of what a Liverpool win might mean for the title race a nine point gap with City 
whatever happens this weekend, they do face an incredibly testing period. 12 games in 37 days between the 23rd of November and the 2nd of January, even for a team as fired up and full of energy as the Klopp-inspired Reds, that's going to be testing. Mm. We think last season Liverpool went out of the League Cup in the first game, of the FA Cup mm. in their first game, and obviously, yeah, they got to the Champions League final, but it, that did help in terms of staying fresh after Christmas, and, and this season is going to be very, very different. All right. Well, we're going to move on now, but we are going to talk more about Sunday's clash at Anfield in our two live shows. Look at this. In Dublin on Friday and Belfast on Saturday, which will see uh, Duncan, you joining me with Michael Cox and Julian Laurence for crazy, a road trip. Crack. Across uh, what uh, some are now calling the Island of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> the British Isles, I think they like to call it. Right. I did um, a Dublin one with you lot last time. You did. And it was brilliant. So anyone who's listening, get there. It would be great. And I hope, all the same materials, so, you know. I hope <laughs> Turtleneck Guy is in the audience. That would be fantastic. That would be great. <laughs> Wouldn't it? I hope, you know, whoever's, we're just happy that people come along. If you want to, only a few tickets left. Hashtag TFS Live for your questions and you might win yourself a Sony Xperia tablet courtesy of our friends at Football Manager. Last few tickets, it says here, are at thetotallyfootballshow.com slash events. Now, uh, right behind the top two, or two points by Man City anyway, are Leicester and Chelsea. We're going to chat about them after this. Listener, could get really interesting, the Premier League table after this weekend because only two points behind the top two are Leicester and Chelsea. And then behind them, you've got a four-point gap to Arsenal in fifth, a four-point gap which could widen to a, a chasm-esque seven points after this weekend's action because Leicester are going to be hosting Arsenal Saturday tea time. Now, Arsenal midweek were held to a miserable 1-1 draw away uh, in rainy Guimaraes against uh, Vitoria uh, in a Europa League game that was brought forward because of regulations. And the things. closest that Arsenal will come to playing sort of what Champions League-ish football wow. that might well be in a long long time yeah. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a truth but a bitter one mm. it's the fourth time in a row that Arsenal have taken the lead in a fixture and then failed to win and it's piled the pressure even further on their manager Unai Emery how how key is this match for them very key very key I mean Arsenal come out with the you know, we're not going to make any decisions now, but everyone knows in football, one big defeat can make a massive difference. And Leicester look like a team who are fully capable of handing out that defeat to Arsenal. Right. Um, it seems a long time ago that Arsenal were challenging Leicester to win the league. Um, in fact, didn't Arsenal were responsible for two of Leicester's three defeats? That's right. Season. Yeah, but, they, um, they won 5-2 in Leicester's title winning season. Yeah, I can't see that happening again. They, <laughs> might, they might have five shots. Well, also they might have five shots. Leicester have the best defence in the league with Sheffield United yeah. as well. They've won four of their last five. They scored 22 goals in their last six. I mean, I could go on. And unlike Arsenal, Leicester look like a team who know what they're about. Leicester look like Arsenal should look or mm. did look some years ago. Um, and, you know, with the, the pace of their attack, the speed of thought with the players that are going forward as well, the kind of youth, youthful exuberance that they've got around the place as well. The only thing that's saving Emery just now is you look at the position, they're fifth, and then you look, down the, yeah, you look yeah. down the table and you look at Manchester United and you look at Spurs, and suddenly you think, well, wait now, where do you expect Arsenal actually to be? Probably fifth, not necessarily behind who they think they're behind at the moment, but you know, so that's the only thing it's saving them. The thing that's damning for me is looking at the quality of players, particularly going forward, that they've got and not doing better. Mm. The manager's number one A1 job above everything else. 
try and maximise what you've got on the field. Nowhere near. He's getting nowhere near it at all. And if you've got Bamiyang, you've, you've got you know the quality strikers all over that era, Pepe, etc. Well, that's Arsenal fans' big issue at the moment is how cautious Emery is. If, if you know, if Arsenal take the lead, rather than saying, "Hey, look, we're quite good, let's go and dominate the game," he's he sits back and then invariably they concede. Um, that game in midweek in Europe, Arsenal only had one successful pass into the box oh, in the yeah. whole match, and it was the. For the goal, and they had like 590 passes. Yeah, they had loads of possession, but they're just you know knocking it about. I mean, it's that kind of ambition. It's it's they're playing like a like a small mid-table team rather than the Arsenal. They're playing as though they want Wenger back. He's out there. Yeah, and if they move quickly, maybe they could have him. They've had one win, one win in the league since the end of September. That was against Bournemouth, and they're facing a Jamie Vardy who loves scoring a goal against Arsenal for some particular reason which escapes me. And, yeah, this team is still undefeated um, at home as well. Mm. You know, the, the king power is, is very much the fortress, mm. James, in this, in this league so far. Leicester could be second by the end of the weekend. Mm. All right, well, so could Chelsea, though, Pat. And you're going along to that game, aren't you? The game against Palace. If I make it back from... Uh, oh, you're going well, on Friday night as well, I'm going to Norwich, yeah, Friday night. So... I'm interested in that one because they're going to be missing Mason Mount and uh, as well as um, Armand Jorginho. And that's been a big part of their success so far this mm. season. Uh, interesting to see what Frank would do. But to be fair, I'll be honest with you, hands up. At the start of this season, I was guessing 10th position. No, 8th, 9th for really Chelsea. Really for Chelsea? Yeah, absolutely. Well, why not? He lost his best player last season. Yeah, He's got nobody in. He's got a whole bunch of kids coming through. You know, I thought, well, of course, that makes sense. You know, it's a complete rebuild season. So... Looks like I was completely and utterly wrong in that one. All right. Um, but, you know, this is another one. What's he going to do this weekend? And that will be one of the most interesting things at the weekend, what he does and what he changes in that. I don't want to keep going on about Alan Pardew, but Lampard <laughs> can become the first manager since Pardew to win uh, six consecutive Premier League games. Pardew did it in 2012, so that's something for him to aim for. Absolutely. Mr. Underscore says, nobody wants to start a backlash more than me <laughs> about Chelsea. But what struck me was Abraham's woeful finishing against Ajax. Was that a big thing on Tuesday? Um, well, I finished one that was, you know, was knocked off because it was uh, offside. I don't think he's... he's Finishing was particularly bad. Okay. Generally, getting on the, the target most of the time. The numbers are good. Right. You know, still, so yeah. far, he's getting more chances. Of course, when it comes to finishing, you can't look further than Crystal Palace with uh, Christian Benteke and Wolf Saha, who's not troubled the net for ages. He's not mm. troubled the net, but he's playing, still playing incredibly well, and he's still having a massive effect in the game. And if he's not playing, they're missing it. But he is definitely the second most important guy for Palace. You know, and if without him. Come on, Roy Hodgson. All right. He's been great. He's. I mean, you look at where Palace have, have managed to get in the in the league. I mean, it's mid table just now, but they got real. They're fifteen points, so one point off uh, Sheffield, and we're, we're two points of Arsenal. We're, another team who could be fifth. And I think with the limitations of the squad, goal scoring, and the money they spend, the fact that they lost the players as well. That's all about structural organisation with the manager. I they think have he's done an amazing job. They they've done an amazing job, particularly on the road. Are they going to pull off another whopping upset at Stamford Bridge? I think it's a kind of ugly one for Chelsea. I don't think it's the team they need just now. Um, and of course, you know Chelsea are going to lose goals. So you suspect if Benteke's going to score, it's <laughs> one for him. I would still put Chelsea slight favourites. Well, more than slight favourites, but favourites to win this. Jordan Ayew loves nothing more than turning up the books in a game on the road. Mm -hmm. He could become the fourth Premier League player to score away at Arsenal United and Chelsea James. Wow. The other three are legends in their own right. Robbie Earl, Darren Bent 
Ashley Barnes, who on the back of that was linked with a move to Chelsea. So I'm predicting in January, I think, you know, Frank Lampard will be going over to Marina and saying, <laughs> get me Jordan you? Get me Jordan you? Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, OK, as, as I say, if Arsenal were to lose at Leicester, then Palace could take their place in fifth. Same can be said for, remarkably, Sheffield United, Bournemouth and Brighton, whose chances we'll be discussing next. Brighton, Man United series of South Coast teams beginning with B continues, mm. fresh from their defeat at Bournemouth. They, they host Brighton Sunday at Old Trafford. Uh, Duncan? Yeah, the men with the feet of clay taking on Potter, which is a nice little touch. But yeah, I mean, this has got all the hallmarks of a you know, narrow Manchester United win that is then spun as a kind of return to form. Right. That's remarkable. <laughs> yeah, United lost 3-2 against Brighton away last season. Brighton, though, never won at Old Trafford, but it's the kind of season where you can imagine them, them changing that. My money's on big on Man United for this one. Is it? Uh, yeah. Why is that, Pat? I've uh, been seeing them a couple of times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, against Which West, games did you see? Man, uh, against West Ham <laughs> United, they stunk the place out. Yeah. They were awful, awful. And against Newcastle United, they stunk the place out. They were absolutely awful. Mm. Um but having, having watched the games, looking at and everyone who'd been watching it on TV kept on saying the same thing. Rashford's not moving. His movement's terrible. And I'm watching the game going, his movement's absolutely fantastic. It's just that Man United are so incredibly slow at moving that ball forward. Right. And it, it's physically painful to say this. It really hurts me to say this. I'm almost crouched over to saying it. One matter was the problem, partially, because he was playing 10 and everything was going through him and it was going slow or else they were getting somebody just to mark him out of the game and I love Juan Mata dearly and I still think he's a great player but not in that system that Man United were playing him so everything was slowed down by the time they, they got the ball forward Rashford's marked running at a bunch of players they've changed it against Liverpool mm. they're now moving it forward quicker not lumping it moving it forward quicker Rashford, they're going, oh, look, his movement's good. That's what he was doing all along. It's just that they're playing it now. Martial coming in as well. Which yeah, I agree. Right. And okay. Brighton haven't won away from home since the start of the season. Uh, first game, and that was against bottom of the table, Watford. They did manage that draw away at Newcastle. They did, but they failed to score in three of their last they, four as well, true. James. They so. also had a really good game at Man City. They lost heavily, but mm. if you looked underneath... Yeah, the performance was really good. The KPIs. The KPIs were off the scale. And Pep Guardiola, he is one to, you know, congratulate teams after they've been beat in heaven. Yes. (laughs) But he was complimentary. And Brian did actually have a lot of shots in that game. You know, I think... So if Atalanta are like the dentist, what a a Brighton. Chiropodist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Speaking of medical things, uh, Matic, Shaw and Pogba are all still out. And word that Pogba might actually have... A metatarsal problem, we hear. Mm. You know, slide back channel rumours, but yeah, uh, yeah. But so that's not saying that's been officially confirmed. But it's been a while. He's he's been out, and it looks like he's set to be out for a while. Yeah, Ashley Young, meantime, is suspended. Pat is confident though that Man United will bounce back from Bournemouth with a victory there. What about Sheffield United then and their visit Saturday afternoon to Spurs? The Spurs fan Johnny B says, "Do not change the midfield or forwards on Saturday." feeling there that Pochettino stumbled on a winning formula at last, or, or indeed it divined a, a winning See, formula. Stumbled. I mean, I've, I've still got a problem having been put through that game at Goodison Park on Sunday. Right. And and how dreadful. Spurs and Everton were. Neither team get anything. So, 
What was the key to the way he set up? Lo Celso coming in? I think so. Um, I didn't see the whole of that game. Mm. I see, so you will probably have seen it much more. James was me. all over it for the goal show. Yeah, I was impressed by Ndombele. Right. I thought uh, his driving runs from uh, from midfield it is a red star side that is pretty average, but caused them problems. Um, but the bounce seemed to be right. And of course, Son, who was so shaken up by what happened at the weekend, mm. um, scored twice, was very apologetic in his celebrations. But... I wouldn't say it's moved on from that, but right. it hasn't affected his ability to score goals for them. And it hasn't affected his ability to take the field this Saturday because the Premier League, after explaining very specifically that he was guilty as charged because there'd been a serious injury after his tackle, have now kind of forgotten that bit <laughs> and take, <laughs> taken that red card away. So, I don't know. Anyway, um, Pat, as you mentioned, you did see the game against Everton, which looked rubbish. Uh, they've only taken 24 points from the last 23 Premier League games, Spurs, which is not great. If you're interested in the Uncle Jeff coefficient for Spurs, then you'll be, as I am, indebted to Nathaniel Custer, who's emailed us from Washington, D.C. Uh, his uncle's called Art, and uh, he's a Spurs fan, and he's calculated the points from equivalent fixtures this season and last fixture, and apparently Spurs have the biggest point swing on the uncle scale. Uh, they're down 11 points on last year mm. in the equivalent fixtures. That's rotten, isn't it? And they're in 11th as well, James. Mm. Uh, wow, OK. Yeah. We've played 11, um, and they've played 11 and games. And they play 11 players. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. You've stumbled on some sort of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, by the way, there's more of this and even more uh, important numbers in a special Nick Miller piece on thetotallyfootballshow.com. If, like me, you think that's great, we know about West Ham and Spurs now, but how are the rest of the league doing against compared to the same fixtures last year? You can find that information on mm. thetotallyfootballshow.com. Sheffield United, impressive on the road, James. Mm. Unbeaten still uh, <laughs> as well, which yeah, for a promoted side... Is pretty impressive, and they've scored in all but one of those games as well. Joint best defence in the Premier League, as you mentioned before. They've only lost one away game in the whole of the year. Only Liverpool can match that. They're, they're actually, the, the, the crest of a wave thing that they're riding just now is everyone's not used to them. It's good. By the second half of the season, they'll, they'll see this three at the back stuff, they'll see the different things they're doing, and they will find an analytical way to stop them. Um, so maybe harder the second part of the season for Sheffield United. Right. Do you think this Saturday will be too early for Pochettino to come up with a plan against them? I, I, I'm, again, I'm so, I'm so blighted by seeing the game last Sunday. I wouldn't have backspurs for anything. Right. But Eriksen scored the fourth goal, I believe, over at uh, in, against Red Star. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a big player for them. If they can get his head right and get him playing, I think Spurs can do anything. They can go in any sort of run. And I'm delighted to see Son back because, you know, I was 20 yards away from that horrific incident when it happened. And I'm looking down there and he was so, so, so upset. Mm. You know, as was Aurier as well. Um, and I actually didn't think he would be able to play. He didn't. His mind was right to play. Um, delighted as well to see, to see that uh, Andre Grom is uh, posting pictures of himself smiling mm. Which I'm not, I presume we're taken after the after this successful he's, he's operation. He's been in to see uh, Everton players. Uh, Has he? Yeah, he's been back into the club to see them. So yesterday, That's so yeah. uh, it's this thing about serious looking injuries. Right, it's not about how serious they look. Well, it's I don't know how serious it looks because I, 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 I don't look at it. But I heard you. Me. I heard you on Monday say, and everyone said they didn't watch it. Yeah, you did. I did. I yeah, I don't know why because I've deeply regretted it. Did you seek it out or I accidentally saw it and then I. 
chose to watch it again, and th that was not a good idea. But it was, yeah, it was a was proper. Was it about the the worst you've seen in a long time? I think the the David Boost one is is worst. Although, Ooh. The, yeah. I remember a Chiro Ferrara. Wait, down was it? And the, the rain in Lecce. This is years ago. Mm -hmm. That was similarly wrong looking. Um, and he's he's been back on Dancing with the Stars in Italy. And <laughs> there you go. So right, yeah. it's, it's, it off. It's, it's it's all about the, either the cleanness of the break, and this right. was a dislocation, which See, is I'm what makes it look well vile. Yeah. But my my one I remember was um, Henrik Larsson mm. had the most horrendous oh, yeah. one. What about he came, back, he came back just as good. Kaziragi didn't though, yeah. did he? But then I guess I guess that was different, different football, different doctors. Mm. Anyway, best best of luck to Andre Gomez. Uh, Everton without him uh, have a big game coming up this weekend. They are taking on Southampton. Those are the two teams on either side of that crucial dotted line down the bottom end of the table. Three points between them. Everton in seventeenth place, and Saints. In uh, 18th, uh, Saints' last home game went well, didn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> nine. <laughs> was it only the nine? Only the that nine. That was the ten men. Well, they considered right. fewer goals in the second half than the first, so they're on an upward trajectory. Right, okay. And of course, they had a, a bit of a goal next week, and they, they didn't play a bad team. Um, to be fair, I'm, I'm looking at Evan, and it's it, on all the years that I've been playing and doing stuff after the football, talking about football, I've never said the phrase, the manager must go at well, all. I've never said that phrase. Yeah. Until now. I am unbelievably close. Why? Because... Silva's team has got enough good players in it. There's enough good players there for that team to be... If they were organised and playing well, they would be in the top six. And there they are in 17th position. And they are playing stinking football. And I uh, was sitting in the Goodison Park watching it. And uh, you know, I'm there not to support any team or be part of any team. That is the quietest I have ever, ever, ever heard Goodison Park in my entire life, 10 minutes before the halftime. It got quieter after an injury, strangely enough. But... The fans, it looked as if they chucked it. And they cannot, they, they, they couldn't even bring themselves to boo how bad it was. And they, they're, it's as if they're just waiting for the hangman to turn up. For the international break, basically. Yeah. It's, he needs to do something. He needs to do something in this game. I'd be amazed if they keep him on longer than a couple of games if they don't get a really good run together. And it's, it's hard to see where that's going to come from. Right, OK. Key match that one down at that end of the table. Is similarly placed to Newcastle. They're only a point better off than Everton. They're hosting a Bournemouth, hoping to get another home win uh, in the can uh, to go with their similarly positioned manager. Mm. Uh, it's the longitude classico, this one. The most southerly ever Premier League team versus the, the most northerly. Is that nice right? And just to go a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. I looked at you can get from Howe, Indiana, in America, to Bruce, Wisconsin, in, according to Google, around the same time as you can get from Bournemouth to Newcastle. By which means a transport. On road. Okay. See, when you're talking just now about mm. um, the whole American thing in right. Newcastle, can I make a suggestion there? Newcastle start playing a more gridiron game mm. and special teams. Okay. Because they only score from set pieces. Okay. And, you know, they should play just for corners and just for free kicks. Okay. Uh, here's a Jefferson Lerma stat. Uh, Bournemouth Jefferson Lerma has picked up 17 yellows in 42 games. That's remarkable. He is suspended for this weekend, so he can't do it this time around, luckily. Uh, Friday night, the weekend kicks off. And, Pat, you're going to be there as Norwich who's taking on who it's a, it's the bottom of the table isn't it Not Norwich Watford it's the Norwich Watford game wow it's the Survivor Series wow and those bottom three currently three points adrift of the rest Saints on eight Norwich on seven Watford on five wow 
I mean, it could be a, a championship I, fixture next season. It could be, but I also think it'll be quite a good game. Right. Um, generally, you go and watch Norwich, and I, I think they're they're a good team to watch. They're, they're attack minded. I like some of the players. Certainly, Cantwell is a player that I think in time will be pretty special. Some memories of a wee bit of Grealish about him. You know, there's a bit to learn, a bit to come up, but eventually it'll come together for him and he right. could be a pretty special player. What about Norwich? Will they sell any Hoovers door-to-door this weekend, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me again. You're throwing these in at me and I'm missing them. This is uh, Daniel Farker, the, um, the the visionary <laughs> Norwich manager who suggested after last weekend's result that uh, they needed to be going out there and knocking on doors like a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. They need to suck it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. essentially... Is, that, is can, that how people buy their vacuum cleaners? No. That's how I got mine. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the vacant look's still here. Right. Well, no, I, to be fair, I, I don't think any of us really know, but that's what makes him special. So, um, yeah, not working out too well right now for Norwich. Five defeats in six. Uh, also, Bookie hasn't scored in six games, has yeah. he? Bookie? Bookie. Yeah. yeah, I mean... 19 shots he's had since he last scored. Really? There's this song which is kind of... Almost top of the charts in Italy, which I think if they were, if he was to listen oh, to it, former French number one, Pookie Pookie Pookie. Yes, one, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's in terms of goal music. Why, the, why do they not play this at Carrara? Because he doesn't score. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> uh, okay. Also down the wrong end of the table, you got Midlands derby on Sunday's Wolves take on Villa. Uh, Wolves, who are currently twelfth, so they, they're not doing too badly. But Villa are down, tied on points with Everton in sixteenth place. Jack Grid should be back for that game. Apparently, Bennett and Doherty are both out for Wolves, who have come from 1-0 down to draw 1-1 six times this season. How about that? If they draw this one, 1-1, it'll be first team since Spurs in 2008 to do four in a row, 1-1. Also, as as Duncan rightly pointed out, the most dangerous scoreline, 1-0. I very, very, very quickly have to say something about Villa. I love Villa, right? And I love watching Villa. They're Uh so exciting. They're having a great season. And Everton are having a terrible season. How does that work out when both of them are on 11 points? Well, I guess it's about <laughs> expectations. Or the way you're playing. Oh, right, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fair that's, answer. I would, and I I would mean, argue that. So Dean Villa. Smith can I mean, say... thrown away more points than any other team this yeah. season. So they've got into good positions. They've looked quite good, and then they quite haven't quite had the wherewithal to see it out. But yeah, I think they, they've, I've enjoyed watching them this season. Very upset if they don't get out of this. And they're actually now in it. And I hope they go over it. They deserve to go over it. OK. Uh, the other game this weekend is a Claret and Blue off at Turf Moor as West Ham visit Burnley. Burnley have actually lost their last three and are conceding goals all over the shop. West Ham's record isn't that impressive either. Uh, lost three of their last five and they drew the other two. So there you have it. There the you one have thing it. I would add to that game mm-hmm. is I think the two teams are not very enjoyable to watch just now. So I'm... I'm and an unusual move, I think they should both wear their home kits for this one. Okay. And it looks as if they're all just the same team. Brilliant. Maybe, yeah, really okay. confusing. <laughs> it's been that kind of week, Pat. You wouldn't rule it out. Let's get uh, some odds on some of those games coming up this weekend. Here's producer Ben talking to Paddy Power. Thank you very much, Jimbo. It's Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line, listeners, as he always is. And Lee, let's kick off with the big one here. It's Liverpool versus City on Sunday at Anfield. What's going to happen here? Yeah, the big one. And this is pretty extraordinary. We price it completely even. Liverpool 6-4 to win. Man City the exact same price, 6-4. The draw is 5-2, which makes our money-back special and interesting one this week. We're offering money-back as a free bet on all markets if Man City beat Liverpool, and that applies to all markets, pre-match singles, max free bet £10, T and Cs apply. 
We've been talking very positively about Sheffield United. So what are the odds on them, please, beating Spurs this weekend? Well, I'm loath to write Sheffield United off. We've done that once already this season, pre-season saying odds on they get relegated, of course. Now they're more likely to finish in the top 10 by our markets. But they are 5-1 to one to win this match. Tottenham bounce back midweek with a good win and they're 1-2 to two to win again on the weekend. The draw here is 3-1. to one. So that's the Blades. What about the Seagulls? They're up against Man United. Can they make history? Maybe. I'm always a little bit sceptical of betting on United when they're odds on this season. But our traders seem convinced it's 8-15 to 15 they win here. Brighton to win at Old Trafford is 5-1. to one. The draw is 11-4. I often talk about a double chance and again that could be value here. Brighton not to lose away at Man United is 13-10. to 10. And finally Lee, this might be the last we see of Unai Emery. Arsenal are at Leicester. Give us some numbers on this one please. Our traders are convinced by Leicester, and I am too. I'm almost making it a nap of the weekend. It's 10 to 11 the Foxes win this one, and potentially move to second in the table. Arsenal, almost the opposite is true for them. It's 13 to 5 they win, the same price for a draw. It's odds on Jamie Vardy scores. God knows how he's going to mock Gunnosaurus, though. Very excited to see it either way. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Brune says outfield players on goals, best performances in goals, I think they're Brune, uh, best performances ever. Uh, also have interbanished Italian stereotypes, good defences. Ask Pat who thinks he's a good fit, who he thinks is a good fit for Easter Road Manager's gig. Crikey, Brune's really piled in there with the questions. Uh, all right, who for... Easter Road, um, I'll take Gordon Strachan, I'll right. take um, David Moyes. I'm, I'm aiming high here. As right. I said, I wish they would have taken the guy that I provided for them a, a, a year or two ago. Who's uh, that? Stevie Clark. All right. But they didn't. They didn't. No. Right. no, no, no. Uh, Inter banished uh, Italian stereotypes. Uh, agree, disagree, James? Inter? Yeah. I mean, if you look of at their defending. second halves in Barcelona and in Dortmund, yes, but they're coming up against very good sides. I would say... On the whole, that is a very good defensive unit. So, right. no, Atlanta maybe, yes, just mm. because they play such crazy. attacking, crazy gung-ho football, mm. um, just like dentists do all over the country. So, yeah. so attacking they can't score past Carl Walker. Right. Yeah, it's true. Do you want to answer the other? Do you want to handle the outfield players mm. in goals? Uh, I think my favourite in the Premier League era is Vinnie Jones doing it for Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. Away at Newcastle. Um Made a couple of good saves, actually quite good saves, and then for no reason at all, starts juggling the ball with his feet on the edge of the box, and then as a, as a striker comes to closing down, he just leathers it as hard as he can into the sky. So it's brilliant, quite, quite iconic. As so much of what Vinny did uh, is excellent. Uh, around the continent, some big games coming up this weekend. Juve taking on Milan, while in the Bundesliga, not quite as big a game that Italian one as it as it might have been a year or two ago. Milan in all sorts of or trouble. Ten years ago, or even ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But Juve, a top of the table, a point ahead of Inter as we head into this round of matches. Milan very much not so. <laughs> um, and uh, but in the Bundesliga, whoo, uh, De Classica, because fourth place Bayern Munich are taking on second place Borussia Dortmund in what will be Hansi Flick's second game in charge as their interim manager. But the big chat pretty much everywhere is about who's going to be the long-term replacement for the departed Niko Kovac on the Bayern bench. A lot of people seem to cool themselves out of this particular race. Rav Rangnick was doing it. Thomas Tuchel, the PSG manager. 
Awesome. One Ving. person hasn't. One person hasn't. <laughs> Sean Dyke. Ving is just going to hang awesome around long Ving, enough. Yeah. He speaks German. He's available. He's an Alsatian. He is an Alsatian. From the, re yeah. the region of the Alsace. Nicely done. <laughs> Opinion is divided on, on, on where Bayern stand on the desirability of bringing Wenger in as a short-term solution. I say long-term, but essentially till the end of the season because what they really want to do is bring across Ajax's uh, brilliant boss, uh, Eric Ten Hag. Could I, I have two things. Number mm. one, he's an Alsatian, right? They need somebody to bring them all together. What they need is a German shepherd. Nice. Nice. <laughs> is that not the same thing? Yeah. I think it probably is. I look at um, that team just now, and it's really strange. It's just complete change time, isn't it, for Bayern? It's time for an utter change. And do you want to do that with a short-term manager, or do you want to get someone like Ten Hagen, who changes the Well, they the want to, but he That's... won't leave Ajax certainly this season. But he has Bayern history. He does. He coached the youth team round about when Pep Guardiola was there. And uh, I think this is what the Bayern players kind of waiting for, found lacking in uh, the successes to Pep Guardiola in that None of them have had the kind of sophisticated coaching methods that they had come accustomed to under Pep. <laughs> Wait till they meet Arsene Wenger. Yeah. <laughs> All right, magnificent. It's going to be interesting to see who takes over that job for now. It is Hansi Flick who's in charge uh, and uh, was in charge for a fairly underwhelming performance midweek against Olympiakos. But uh, be an interesting game, that one. They're at home to Borussia Dortmund Saturday, 5.15. Brilliant. We're off to... Dublin and then Belfast this weekend. Pat, where are you off to in the wide world of football? Well, it's Norwich and then it's Chelsea. Of and then I'm uh, finally going to get home for the first time in six days. Excellent. All right. James, how about you? Are you off to Italy? Uh, no, not this week. Uh, I was going to go for Juventus Milan, but I'm going to do some reporting in the international break instead. Nice. Nicely done. Whatever you get up to, listener, make sure you join us on Monday when Michael Cox, Carl Anker and Sasha Gurionov will be joining us to look back on Liverpool City and the rest. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>